0: I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in His Word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift.
1: Well, good morning, Wheaton Bible Church. Can we stand together this morning? And it's finally time to say Merry Christmas. I've been waiting all year to say that. Come on. Joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to bear the ham. Come. Oh, come let us adore Oh, come let us adore Oh, come let us adore He in Christ the Lord All right, come on, sing it out. Sing choirs of angels Notation. sing all ye citizens Bible Church as he is worthy today. Amen and amen. Yes, you may be seated.
2: The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On the those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders.
3: And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we enter this Advent season, we start by considering hope. 2020 has been a year marked with a lot of changes with sickness, suffering, sorrow, and strife, with division, anger, fear, and uncertainty all over the world, in our own country, our cities, our churches, our neighborhoods, our families, and even and especially in our own hearts. Many of us are struggling with conflicting thoughts and emotions as we move into Advent, still in the middle of this pandemic, and even with mounting tensions due to this election season. Every year during Advent, we all wait in anticipation for Christmas. It's a season that brings hope all over the world. These days, people speak of many different kinds of hope. Like hope in the goodness of humanity, or or hope for time with family, hope for time of relaxation and rest, hope for restored relationships, hope for healing from past experiences, and yeah, even hope for gifts under the tree. These are all good things to hope for, but as we know, just like seasons, they tend to come and go. The lights-put-up, gift-wrapped, garland-hung kind of hope that the world offers is just another creative attempt to cope with the reality of our sin and the deepest longings of our souls. The times we live in to continue to remind us of just how fragile and temporary this life is, and the world desperately needs a hope that is real and eternal. As the people of God, This reenactment that we participate in every Advent season of our anticipation of the birth of Christ is a powerful reminder of the profound, eternal, unchanging, and unshakable hope we have because of the incarnation of the Son of God. Because of Emmanuel, God with us. A God who is not removed from our suffering, but but breaks through the darkness with His light and steps into our brokenness to bring us salvation and eternal joy. So today, Let us remember that no matter what we face this year, what we may experience in this life, through Christ our Father, as King of all creation, has faithfully demonstrated that his future for us is always brighter than both our past and our present. We light this first advent candle to remind us to take heart, to not be afraid, to have hope in Christ. And as we begin to anticipate Christmas this year, may the God of hope, Fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in Him, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: Church, let's stand again as we sing of our King who brings hope to the world. This is our King. Come, thou long-expected
4: Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, that I find are rest in me Israel.
1: a song 谢谢 yeah. yeah. My saving grace yes, come on, we believe today. You are my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days.
5: pandemic we can remember and we know that he is worthy. He is worthy because he's faithful. He is worthy because he's good. He is worthy because he's powerful. He is worthy because he's present. He is worthy because He's all, he always understands. He is worthy because he never walks away. He is worthy because he loves you with everything he has. He is worthy because he is the king of kings. Glory and all glory is to him. He is worthy. And in him we trust. And in him we trust. Let's pray. Lord, we know that in the midst of everything we go through, in the midst of the stuff that we're going through right now, not just the pandemic and not just the, the, uh, the economy going south, not just the uncertainty of the future. There's so many different things, Lord. Illness, worry, fear, doubt, guilt. In the midst of everything we go through, Lord, in the midst of the storm, we remember that you are worthy of every single little thing we have and of every single little thing we are. Lord, it is in you that we find rest. It is you what we're longing for, Lord. It is you what we truly need in the midst of everything, Lord. And as we go through things we go through, we, we remember that everything else is secondary, that you are our king of kings. Nobody better to seek for, nobody better to rely on, nobody better to long for. Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters, whether they are, they are in, presen- in, presen- uh, in person or online, Lord, I, I pray for them, Especially for those that are going through, who knows what and how painful that may be. Lord, that you make it clear, Lord, that you make it clear that you are with them, you are for them. That the Holy Spirit comes upon them and gives them this this certainty that they belong to you and they're always secure in you. Lord, as we are close to enter. Last season of the year, December, we remember, Lord, that as a church, we depend a lot in what we as a church uh, give financially to the church this last month. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you continue to work in us so we continue to be generous, Lord, so we can finish our year well. At the same time, Lord, we understand and we know that there's so many people struggling financially and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you provide for them, that you provide for their needs because we remember that the Bible tells us that there has never been anybody that has placed their faith in you that will be abandoned. Please make that real to us. Thanks for allowing us to know you and worship you. And we pray for all of these in the name of Jesus. And the church says, you may take a seat.
2: Good morning, it's so great to see you here today. My name is Hannah and I serve with our student life team. Every December, under-resourced families in our community are invited to the Christmas Store, a ministry we support in partnership with other churches that provides parents the opportunity to stretch their hard-earned dollars to purchase affordable gifts for their children. To join in this year, place your new, unwrapped gift in one of the collection boxes located throughout our building this week. If you haven't had a chance to get something yet, you can instead purchase gifts online from the Amazon Wish List and have them shipped directly to the Christmas Store location. You can get more info online at wheatandbible.org gift drive but remember that this is the last week to get your gifts in this week we're opening registration for our on-campus christmas eve services and we can't wait to see you there if you don't already receive them you can sign up for our weekly emails to get notified when they open at wheatandbible.org newsletter we know that many of you enjoy inviting friends and family and this year we've set up a new way to invite When it opens this week, you can send a postcard invite wherever you choose and add a personalized note for your recipient. Whether your guest is joining online from across the country or is registering for a seat on campus, we're excited to welcome them to services at our campuses this year. That's all for today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us and Merry Christmas.
4: desperate earth cried out. He heard every helpless sound. Broke the silence of the wait. In you Willingly gave up His throne He came to save us by His blood Baby boy
5: Good morning, familia. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Hannibal Rodriguez. I know I look different. Watch. It's me. I'm like Clark Kent. Put glasses on and nobody recognizes me. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez. For those of you that are here in person, those of you online, I want to welcome you again. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at church and I have the privilege today to start our Advent series, and we have called this Advent series The Gift. And the reason why we have called this Advent series The Gift is because Jesus in the Bible is described, according to Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as the inexpressible gift. Jesus, and what he came to do here, is what we will call the inexpressible gift. We would say that Jesus is the gift of gifts and the ultimate gift gift. Um, And today I get to start this series by uh, talking about hope. So what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to be talking about these, you know, regular topics that are usually shared during Advent seasons, uh, but everything starts with hope. So if you are here, could you please stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 11, Verses 1 through 10. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bible, please go there. If you have some sort of digital thing, you could go there. And if you don't have any of that, don't worry. We're going to put the verses on the screen. If you are here, can you please say, I'm here? I'm here. This is the word of the Lord. A shirt will come, come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, and the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice, he will give decisions uh, for the poor of the earth. He will uh, strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Verse six: "The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will, will lie down with the goats and the calf and the lion. And the yearling together and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat the straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy and all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Please speak to us this morning. We're thirsty people looking for something that only you can give us. Please speak to us this morning. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the churches. You may take a seat. Today, as we talk about hope, we're going to talk about three things. First, we're going to talk about the king of hope, that being Jesus Later on, we're going to talk about the kingdom of hope, what he came to accomplish, what he initiated, and eventually he will complete. And lastly, we're going to talk about the unexpected hope. Why is it that Jesus is different to any other king? With that then, let's go to the first, first point, the king of hope. The text which is read is divided into three different sections. So from verses 1 to 5, uh, we, we, we're going to talk about the king of hope. From verses 6 to 9, we talk about the kingdom of hope. And the last verse, verse 10, we're going to see what is that Jesus came to do that nobody expected that he would do. Now what is interesting about this point though, verses 1 through 5, five is that we find this description of who Jesus is. And not just about who Jesus is, but his character. And why is it that Jesus qualifies to be the King of Kings and no other king is like the King of Kings? Now, if you're new to the church, you probably don't know this, but just in case, uh, this section was written by the prophet Isaiah, which is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. And uh, this section was written about 740 years prior to Jesus, or so before Jesus. This section is what is considered to be a messianic prophecy, something that was written in the past, that was later on applied, and it had to do with Jesus. Jesus. Now, what we're going to see here is that God from eternity, within the Trinity, they chose Jesus for a special task, to be a king with a special task. And the reason why I could say that is because that's how how verse uh, 2 puts it. It says that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, that being Jesus. Now, the reason why I know that this is talking about Jesus as a king, and the reason why I know that Jesus is described here as a person and as a king with a special task, is because when you read the Old Testament, that phrase is found at least five to six times, and every time is to describe God choosing someone for a special task. That was the case of Moses. That was the case of Joshua. That was the case of David. That was the case of Elijah. And of course, a person that is greater than any of them, this is the case of Jesus. The greater Moses, the greater Joshua, and the greater David. Now, what makes Jesus unique is the description that we find from the second part of verse 2 all the way to verse 5. And that's why Jesus qualifies to be the king of kings. So let's go to the second part of verse 2 and look at what it says about him. That he will be the one in which the Spirit will rest and, and the Spirit will give him wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Every single one of those expressions is extremely important. Every single one of those expressions describe who Jesus is and how Jesus is. So for example, it tells us that the Spirit gives him or the Spirit upon him, it gives him wisdom and understanding. Now that's important because this is kind of a judicial term. This is how we know that this Jesus is a king. And he tells you the text, the text tells you that this is a king that knows how to rule his kingdom. And not only knows how to rule his kingdom right, but he knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. That's why we find the word wisdom and understanding there. It also tells you that he's a king that has counsel and might. Not only Jesus knows how to rule his kingdom right. Not only he knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. But he has the power to accomplish what he wants to do. This is not a king that has dreams and ideas and visions and desires. And can't do anything about it. This is a king that has a plan and accomplishes his plan. Because he has the power to do it. And then he tells you that this is a king of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The word knowledge there is the word truth, and it tells us that this king, king of kings, knows all truth and is the source of all truth and that everything that he does, he does it out of reverence and admiration and love for the Father. You know what I find interesting about this description? Is that it doesn't matter what kind of leader we have. And it doesn't matter what kind of king we have. And it doesn't matter what kind of a spiritual leader we have. There is no earthly king. There is no political figure. There is no governmental representative. There is no political party. There is no philosopher, historical hero, leader, advisor, counselor, strategist, and a spiritual leader that could come close to who Jesus is. No one is like him. There is no king the way Jesus is king. He's a king that is everlasting. He is a king that knows how to truly rule his kingdom. He is a king that knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. He is a king that has the power to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he's a king that everything he does, he does it in truth. And he does all of that. Because of his commitment to God. That begs the question, why wouldn't we trust him? That begs the question, why wouldn't we trust and rest in him? Actually, that begs the question, why would would we trust any other leader? Let me push it a little more. Why trust so much? Why hope so much? Why put our hope so much on broken leaders with broken visions and broken systems? Why? And the text doesn't stop there because it describes Jesus not only as a person that has all these qualities, wisdom, understanding, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. But it describes Jesus that inwardly is delighted with God and outwardly is committed to righteousness. And we find that in verse 3. For he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and in verse 4, by with righteousness he will judge the needy. Not only he is a king of wisdom, understanding, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, but he's a king that has perfect communion with God at all times. He delights. And he would always do what is right. Righteousness. He would always do what is right, even if we don't feel it and even if we don't understand it. So the question is still out there. Why trust Broken leaders with broken systems when we have the king of kings, the ones that is completely trustworthy, completely reliable, completely pure, and completely perfect. Actually, the text will tell us that because Jesus is the way he is, and because he's committed to what is right, the reason why he cares for the needy and exercises justice toward the poor. That's what we find in verse 4. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions um, for the poor of the earth. Notice here, people. Our God, in Jesus, cannot look at the needy and the poor and look away. He just can't do it. Because he's committed to righteousness. Because he's committed to what is right. Question, if that is a description of the king of kings, if the king of kings is committed to the needy and the justice of the poor, doesn't that say that the church ought to care for the same things? Doesn't that tell you that we don't have an option about caring for the needy and seeking justice for the poor? This is not an option. If our Lord cannot look away from that, why would the church look away from that? Actually, this is the reason why Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, verse 9, is speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You know the word rights there in the book of Proverbs, it means Claim. That people created in the image of God with value and dignity because they have been created that way have the right and they claim that we speak on their behalf and that we defend them as much as we can. From God's perspective, every human being has the right not to be assaulted, defrauded, or killed. Every human being has the right to be treated with fairness and respect. Every human being not just the ones we like every human being biblical justice is something that the church cannot walk away from because our God cares for justice I love the definition of justice that Crawford Lorette has he says justice is that the conceived must live that's why we fight against abortion Justice is that the living must be cared for. That's why we go against racism and prejudice. Justice is that the poor and the disadvantaged must be defended. And that's why we speak and we do. We try to imitate the king of kings, the real and everlasting king. The king of understanding, the king of powers, the king of knowledge, the king of wisdom, the king of the fear of the Lord. The king that has such a perfect communion with the Father, that is committed to what is right. A king that is compassionate, a king that is merciful, and a king that is not indifferent to the pain and the struggle of his creation. That's the king of hope. Do you know that king? Part of the reason why we remember and we celebrate Christmas is because we have that king. He's not a wimpy king. He's not baby Jesus. Yes, it is baby Jesus, king of kings. That's why we worship him. And that's why we celebrate Advent. Now, what is interesting about Isaiah, though, is that not only he gives us a description of who Jesus is and his character and what he does, But he's going to give us a perfect description, in my opinion, of what Jesus came to do and what Jesus came to accomplish. And it's almost like a two-step process. One is when Jesus comes, lives, dies, and resurrects, right? He's going to begin the revolution, if you will. But later on, the Bible says that when he comes back, he's going to come to culminate or finish or complete what he already studied. So as Christians, we're living between the cross and the end times, if you will. Or the cross and the second coming of Jesus. And for that then, you want to see what Isaiah says, and we go with, with second point. Let's talk about the kingdom of hope. Now, this is the reason why I find this section so amazing. For many Christians, when we talk about what it is that Jesus came to do, the description is that he came to do to take us home. To rescue us from this world and to take us to heaven. Which is part of the description. The gospel tells you that Jesus comes to save us from our sins. So that is part of the equation. But I want to invite you to see according to what the book of Isaiah says and the rest of the Bible says. That when God talks about the renewal of all things, he's not talking about just our spiritual salvation. But the restoration of all creation. The renewal of all things. That Jesus is not coming just to save your soul, but to transform, transform it all. That redemption, that the rede- uh, redemption that Jesus offers involves every sphere of this creation. And I'm going to make an argument on that. I want to argue that that picture that I'm about to paint is what we all want. Actually, verse 11 says this. That we all want a resting place. We all want a resting place. Whether you're Christian or not, you all want a resting place. A place where you feel peace. A place where you feel joy. A place where you feel love. A place that makes you feel secure. Christians and non-Christians. We are all looking for this spiritual utopia, if you will. Deep down inside, we all want that. So if you're a Christian, you must remember what it is that Jesus came to give. And if you're not a Christian, this is the time that you get to come to him and actually experience that. See, deep down inside, we all know that there's something wrong with the world. And we know that the things, when things go wrong here, it's not normal. So for example, dying is not normal. It is abnormal to die according to God's design. This is the reason why we all have things inside that we pursue and want. This is part of the reason why we love love songs. How many of you guys that like love songs? How many of you guys just bitter people don't like, you know? The idea, this is the reason why there's 95% of the songs talk about love. Because deep down inside, we know that there's got to be something that describes love in a different way. This is the reason why you watch Miss Universe, or Mr. Universe, or one of the universes, which I find so ironic, that we have the most beautiful people in this country. In the universe! <laughs> this is the reason why they asked at the end, what do you want the most for, for this world? What do they say? Peace in the world. Because deep down inside, we all crave that. This is the reason why we like movies with happy endings. How many of you guys enjoy a movie in which the ending is terrible? (laughs) This is the reason why we enjoy beautiful things and we hate broken things. Because deep down inside, we all know that the way things are right now, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus, the King of Kings, according to Isaiah, comes to give us what we all want and desire. How do I know that? Because he comes to do three things. To reconcile, to restore, and to remove. Three R's. Look at how Isaiah says that he comes to reconcile. Verse six. Uh, Verse six. Verse six. It says, this is a metaphor. It says the wolf will live with a lamb, the leper will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Now notice that in this verse there are predator there's a predator and a prey. Do you guys see that? And there's something abnormal about that verse. Because it tells you that in this broken world the wolf and the lamb would we'll never be together. But in this picture, they're together. And he paints the picture in which a leper and a goat are hanging around together. Which in this world, that would never happen because that's what we have tacos, carnita, meat. That's what we see in the picture. Now, what I find amazing here is that because this is a metaphor, God, Isaiah is trying to tell us what Jesus came to do. Listen up, church. He came to destroy old hostilities and to unify all enemies. Let me say it again. Jesus comes for reconciliation so he can destroy all hostilities and unify all enemies. And he tells us that one day when he, when he returns, there will be no more hostilities or enemies. I wonder why is it that Christians are still divided? Uh, can I get super personal? Can somebody explain to me why politics have divided the church? Can somebody explain to me why is it that we, we don't protect and love one another? See, this is why Jesus, the king of kings, came. That's the power of the gospel. He came here to get rid of hostilities and to get rid of enemies. The salvation that Jesus offers is the salvation of reconciliation. And whatever he started with his life, death, and resurrection, one day he will completely re- he will return and complete a mission, and complete his mission. Can somebody explain to me why is it that we're still divided? I mean, you know the story of Elizabeth Elliot, Right? You know that he was a missionary that went to Ecuador, and you know that uh, his he, uh, her husband was killed by a man. And you probably also know that later on, because of the power of the gospel, she 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 was given what she needed in order to forgive that man. And what is even more crazy is that man, the man that killed his her husband, later on becomes part of her life, family. How could that happen? Because that's what the king of kings does. You have never been in a place in which there's no broken relationships, no racism, no church division, no deception, no resentment, no betrayal, no distrust, no divorce, no abandonment, no separation. We have never been in a place like that. And Jesus promised that one day he will return and reconcile all things. That's the kingdom hope. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we have already, but later on it will be even better. And Isaiah says that Jesus not only comes to bring reconciliation, but he comes to restore. Look at verse 7. The cow will feed with the bear. This is another metaphor. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. Now, this is poetry. I'm, you can see there that there's something abnormal in that picture according to what we have in this broken world. You have the cow and the bear and the lion and the ox eating the same food. Which is crazy because in this broken world, the bear's food is the cow and the lion's food is the ox. So what is Isaiah trying to teach us here? That Jesus as a king of kings, or as the king of kings, come not just to reconcile old hostilities and reconcile old enemies, but to change our nature. To truly change our nature, to restore our nature just the way it was in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. See, when Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for a sin and later on he sends the spirit to live in us, he did that to free us from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. But what Isaiah is saying is that one day Jesus will return to free us from the presence of sin. I, I don't know about you, but there are so many days in my life in which I hate that I'm still sinful. I hate it. I I hate what my sin does in my relationship with the Lord. I hate what my sin does in my relationship uh, to the people I love. I, I hate what my sin does to me. And Isaiah says that one day I will experience complete freedom. And one day, you will experience complete freedom. I hope you know that everything we do is tainted by sin. You know, when we call ourselves sinful people, we're not just saying that we do bad things every now and then. When Christians call themselves sinful people, we are saying that everything we do is tainted by sin, whether we like it or not. That even the good things we do are tainted by sin. That even our good plans are tainted by sin. This sermon right now, this sermon right now, I could tell you before the Lord that I'm preaching it for his glory and your good. But also for my glory. Why do you think I'm wearing glasses? (laughs) Everything we do is tainted by sin. You know, my, my daughters and I were showing me this video this week about this little girl in India. And she's doing this, she won an award or something, right? And right at the end, you know, in, in front of everybody, thousands of people, public television, he said, she says, she receives the reward and she says, I love my daddy, my superhero. And everyone is like, oh my goodness, that is so cute. But then she runs to the dad and she hugs him And when she's hugging the dad, she looks at the camera. There it is. Cute, but sinful. That's all of us. Don't you hate that? We've never been in a place in which our thoughts, our words, and our motivations are not tainted by sin. And Jesus, as the King of Kings, comes to, to give us freedom from that. And one day, one day, we will be completely free. That's our kingdom hope. Jesus not only comes to reconcile, Jesus not, not only comes to restore, but He comes to remove. Look at verse 8. The infant will play near the cobra's den, metaphor again, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Do you remember what happened in Genesis chapter 3, in which there was a serpent, like in the text? And because of that serpent, sin enters the world, and not only Adam and Eve are cursed, and not only the serpent is cursed, but the creation is cursed. And actually the text says that God will put enmity between the serpent and the woman's seed. And the woman's seed obviously is Jesus in the book of Genesis. So this is what I Isaiah is saying. That Jesus as a king of kings not only came to get rid of, to reconcile, not only came to restore, but he came to remove the curse. And that one day, the entire creation will be cursed free. No more decay. No more fading away. You know, one of the worst things when you get older, actually I was thinking about this because I'm wearing glasses because I'm getting old. But one of the worst things of getting old is that you know that you're, that you're fading away. Like you know that things are falling apart. And that you have, you can't control it. It doesn't matter how much vitamins you take, you go to the gym, things are falling apart. But for Christians, when we look forward, we know that one day, no more decay, no more fading away, no more sickness, no more insatisfaction, no more death, no more longing, no more pain, no more suffering. One day. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is our kingdom hope. And I say, I put everything together in, as a summary in verse 9. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. One day, one day, Jesus will come back and restore and reconcile and remove everything completely. Whatever he started at the cross, he will culminate when he will return. Now, the question that I gotta ask you really quick is why does this matter? Is this just good information to have or does does this really change your life? And I wanna give you five reasons why I think that this must change your life. Reason number one, hope is endurance. You know, I don't know if you know Victor Frank, which is a psychologist that wrote a book, about 50 years ago, uh, called uh, "Men in Search of Meaning," and this was a psychologist that lived in a concentration camp for a while. And when he was there, he actually did kind of a survey of the people that lived there. And he says that there was, and he said that there was three kinds of people that suffering would transform them somehow. He says that there was the group of people that became even more brutal or aggressive in order to survive. And it was usually a Jew killing a Jew. The second kind of people was the people that became cynics. They said, well, there's nothing to live for. Let's just give up. But there was a third group of people. And it was the hopeful people. The people that believed that at one one point, things would change. Now, listen, for many of those people, it was just wishful thinking. But for us as Christians, it's a secure thing. Hope is not a wishful thinking. Hope is a secure thing. You know how I know that? Because Jesus lived, died, and resurrected. And he promised that one day, the entire creation would also resurrect. Hope, then, is endurance. Number two, hope is motivation. If Jesus is in the business of reconciling and restoring and removing, and one day he will come back to, to reconcile and restore and remove, then what we have to do as Christians is to contribute to what he's already doing. Do you know why we care for the needy? Do you know why we care for the poor? Do you know why we care about justice? Because God is bringing that here today. And one day he will finish the job. You and I get to contribute. Number three, hope is security. Listen to First Peter chapter 1. It says that for those of us that have been born again, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, meaning that what is coming will never go away. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. I could translate that in a different way. Heaven is kept for you because God is keeping you for heaven. That's secure. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter how much you suffer. God will take you home. That's secure. Hope is no fear. You guys ever watch the movie Hunger Games? There's what I don't know. It's rated R, I think. So forget it, don't watch it. But here. There's one sentence that made that movie famous by President Snow. He said, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. And there's an author, Jennifer Dan- Danelli, that wrote in one of our books this sentence. There is nothing more dangerous than hope. You know that I agree with those two statements? Hope has the ability and the potential to get rid of your fear, and I'll prove it to you. You know, Paul, one of the writers on the New Testament, is the perfect example of that. This is a man because followed Jesus because he was following Jesus, suffered like crazy. And he's got a famous phrase that you probably have somewhere at home in a coffee mug or something. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's so interesting because they are threatening Paul that they're going to make him suffer. And his answer was, oh, it's all right. Cool for me to live, is cra- to live is Christ. And people change their mind and say, oh, really? Is that your attitude? We're going to kill you. And Paul says, cool for me to die is gain. Church, how do you kill a man like that? How do you control a man that is not afraid of living or afraid of dying? That's Christianity to you. That's what hope does. For me to to live is Christ and to die is gain. And number five, hope is present discontentment. So here's a question. If you know what is yet to come, why do you keep living your life if this is all there is? Why worry so much about the things you have and don't have today? If what is yet to come is much better than what we have today. Don't settle for nothing. Pursue what is eternal. Pursue for those things that will not fade away. Pursue those things that will never spoil or perish. Pursue that. So, we talked about the kingdom of hope and the king, and the, the king of hope and the kingdom of hope. And that, lastly, in just 30 seconds, let's talk about the unexpected hope. And for that, I want you to look at verse 10. It says that on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and nations will rally to him, to Jesus, and his resting place will be glorious. So you gotta ask the question, what does the word banner mean there? And why is it that Christmas was such an unexpected thing? Or Advent was such an unexpected thing? The word banner there is a sign. You know, people will gravitate to Jesus, because they will see in him something that they never saw before. And what they never saw before is, is precisely what Jesus came to do when he went to the cross. See, none of us had ever seen a king that was full of wisdom and understanding, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. We had never seen anything, anybody like that. And yet, Jesus was like that. We had never seen a king that was truly delighted in the communion with, with the Father and was committed to what is right. We had never seen a king like that. And nobody has ever, had ever seen a king like that. We have never seen a king that is all that and it's a, it's a king that is compassionate and merciful and is not indifferent to people's pains. We have never seen a king like that. But you know what makes Christmas unexpected? Is that for sure we have never seen, even if we were to find a king that had all those qualities, we had never seen a king that was willing to die in order for his people to be reconciled, restored, and removed. There has, been, there has never been any king, any leader, any spiritual leader, any hero that had all those qualities and was willing to drop it all for his people. This is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. This is the reason why we must celebrate and remember Advent. Because we have the king of kings A king like no other king. Amen? It's free. Lord, we recognize that hope is not a concept we receive. It's not even a concept we must understand. Hope is a person. Hope is Jesus. Hope is Jesus living, dying, and resurrecting on our behalf. Hope is Jesus promising that one day he will come to give us what we so much want. Please help us grasp, understand, and receive that. And we pray for all of that in the name of Jesus and the churches.
1: Amen, amen. Church, let's stand together and respond with this song of hope. Rescue and to save. Children weep no more. Hope is on the horizon. Weary world, behold your promised Messiah. Just let your song begin Silence. Come let us adore the same the dawn of salvation because darkness reigns no more Oh, Jesus is greater
5: Our services, I want to I wanna remind you that every Tuesday we gather staff to pray for you. So if you have needs, please let us know. You can text the word prayer to uh, 630-260-1600 and I guarantee you that someone is going to be praying for you and with you on Tuesday. Now with that then, we want to receive the blessing that Jesus, our King of Hope, won for us at the cross. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. And the church says, Have a blessed day. We love you. Thanks for coming, church. You are sent. Goodbye.